You know how much this outfit was? No. Like it. $2. $2. Yep. <laughs> really? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so we did. You're funny. So we, oh, we looked. We started Job. Yep, you're up. We started Job last week. And I was telling Lisa kind of some of what, what we talked about um, with Laura. Because basically, Job is, Job, you know, the, the trials of Job and the suffering of Job. And, and people, hey, Bree, 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 Mr. Bill has, Mr. Bill has something in there for you to learn. You want to go do some papers? Oh, yeah, go do that. You can color them. Bill, get, make sure they can color and everything, too. Go color. Babe? Bill? Will you please hand me that and go facilitate them working on that and find out what's going on? Okay. So so we started Job and and it's you know, people talk about the suffering of Job and it really was. If you read through or you know, when I, I can get the, the one through four uploaded. But it's really the you have talking to you today. But it's um it's very much the, uh, like, one right after the other after the other. And it's all because God was bragging on Job, which is kind of amazing because people think, oh, like they're suffering. I know. There were times that I'm like, Lord, if this is happening because you're bragging on me, it's okay if you're not quite so proud because <laughs> I can handle just a little less. You can stop bragging now. <laughs> like, I, you know, but what, what he really showed me is that, is that when things happen, it's because he knows we're ready for them. That doesn't mean we'll be successful going through them. Because we might not realize we're ready for them. But, but honestly, the knowledge that things were happening because he knew I could handle it helped me go through it. Because, you know, it's kind of like the difference between a parent who says, oh, you'll never do whatever, and one who says... You know, I believe you're ready. I believe you can handle this. It won't be easy. I'm here if you get stuck. But I think you're capable. And I think you can do this. And and that, it, it creates different people. It's different people that are that are coming from those well, words. That's like a post I saw. Look, it said, um, the Lord would never give me more than I can handle. I just wish you didn't trust me so much. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. And I do think God sometimes gives us more than we can handle so that we rely on him because it's never more than he can handle, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's graces him filling in that gap between our abilities and our understanding and our, our, uh, you know, where we are and where we need to be. And, and that's why, that's one of the reasons Paul could say when I'm weak, he's strong. The bigger the gap between where we are and where we need to be, the more he's filling in and making it happen. So we ended last week with Job's first friend um, coming, and they they had all come to sit with him, and 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 I and, and I and, and I, I was, we were reading the first chapter, and let me um, I want to go specifically to where this is so that that I can. Yes, where is it? Hey. You are chatty mouth. Listen to you. I know. She's like, I got so many things to say. Because what it, basically what it, what it said um, in the first chapter, I mean, it's the pictures are of God's, God has convened the heavenly court. 
And the idea of a heavenly court is is not, you know, it, it, it is not, it's not like, you know, the gods on Mount Olympus all gather together and have a, a, you know, a meeting where they all throw tantrums and, you know, stuff. But it's really about the different spirits, spiritual forces that God has put over different areas and different things. And, and it's, you know, God issues his judgments for those things. When we talk about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur being judgment days. It's the idea is that the, the heavenly court is convened. And, and God is, is letting the spirits in charge of different things know this is what has, I've decreed for this for the next year. Or this is what, in, in your area, these are the things that, that need to happen in, this, in this, uh, this next year. So there's two different meetings here. And it says, because it talks about um, uh, there was a day when the Lord God, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Hasetan came was also with them. And you know the Lord's talking, and Satan, you know, he says, "Where were you?" He goes, "Oh, I was all over the place and exploring." And God said, "Have you have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him." And um, you know, then Satan answered and said, well, of course, because you give him everything and you protect him. And, and he says, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, he says, if, if bad stuff happened to him, you, we'd see a different side of Job. Of course, people, of course he can praise you and be, be devoted to you when nothing bad's happening. And so God allowed him to, to take his things away. My computer is acting up and I'm not happy with it. Hold on one second. I may have to reboot. And, but, shoot. I don't know why it's doing this. Um, so basically, all, those, all these things were able to happen to him. And, um, you know, and he said, he said, uh, and I may have to force quit something. My computer is just freezing. Uh -oh. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know why it's doing this. So, hang on. So, so basically there's a court day. I'm hoping that this will start to cooperate. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to have to quit this program and open it again because it's just frozen. I hate it when I feel like technology's out to get me. I would worry about looking paranoid, but when it does this, it's like, <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Of course, as we're talking about Job and I'm complaining that my computer's freezing, so I, maybe I should just kind of get some perspective here. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we're working. So there's, there's this court day and God says, fine, but don't touch him. And he loses like, all, like all these things and he's like you know what <coughs> naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return and blessed be the name of the Lord so there's another day 
where this happens. And, you know, and, and he brags on him. He's like, look, Job didn't curse me. There you go. And you have to keep in mind also, Job's a Canaanite. He's not Jewish. So the, 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 tradition, the traditional understanding is that he was a peer of Abraham and that he came to the Lord and, and to understanding this, you know, a Torah life from Abraham before they went well, into that, Egypt. That makes it even more so like, right. Well, and that's why when, when, when Hasetan was out roaming the earth, not Israel, roaming the earth, I was out all over and he's like, so you were all over the earth. Did you see this? Did you see my Canaanite son Job here? How amazing he is. And one of the one of the thoughts is that uh, it was not until Job died that God ran everyone out of Cana, like the Canaan area, and gave it to the Jewish people completely. That he was preserving it just because of Job. And that, that his righteousness was so powerful that that he preserved it for him. Um so so he this happens again, and and he he says, you know, you can find, you can touch him, but you can't take his life. So that happens, and he ends up going out to the pot shirt, you know, gets a pot shirt, and he goes out and he sits on the trash heap because he has to live out, you know, he's got to live away from people. He's got open oozing wounds, and and then it says his three <coughs> friends heard of all that all this evil was upon him, and they came, uh, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. Um, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. Can I hold you? Can I hold you and bounce you? Look, are you telling your mama? I'm not. I'm but it says they sat down with him upon the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him <clears throat> for that time. So they just, sat there, they just sat there with him in his grief, and they just sat there. Um, but I, yeah, yeah, well it does, and it sets it up that way. But the thing is, they really, they are his friends, and they really believe that the things they're going to say to him are are good. They're not trying to give him bad counsel. Yeah. They're trying to encourage him. It's okay. Which kind of reminds you of like, what is it, Revelation, when they talk about the end of the age and how people will be doing all these horrible things, but they'll be doing it in the name of God. Right. Right. And they'll think they're they'll think they're fine and Yeah. They'll be genuinely thinking that oh this is what the Lord wants. Right. Well, and, and the thing, one of the things I observed uh, last week, and, and again, this is, it just, it struck me, I think, because of the season that we're in, that um, God holds two court dates very close together, and then his friends come and sit with him for seven days, and it's, you know, if not a direct reference to at least a picture of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, you know, two days of judgment followed by Sukkot where people dwell together. And, and you know, that, that they would have been coming to be his Ushpazim. And that, you know, it's, it's um, you know, and, it, and it's a beautiful picture of that because those judgments come at that time as to the things that are going to happen 
uh, in that area. So basically, Job finally. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Well, yeah, he was because um, Abraham would have been doing them. And even though they were formalized and written down at the time of, of, of what they were supposed to do for them, they would have, uh, in, when Moses wrote them down, there's, there's references throughout Genesis, um, you know, to Abraham uh, when the angels came to him on their way to Lot and to Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he was observing the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so the, the traditions of these things were there all along, but the... Well, they probably not in such a formal way, but they do acknowledge all of the things they've learned from him when they start talking okay. to him. So, so when, um, you know, Job starts talking, he's talking about, you know, cursed is the day I was born. God should have never let me be born. And then, um, you know, then his friend, his friend steps in. It says Eliphaz the Timonites answered and, and said, uh, and basically he says, you know, would, would you, can, can I share something with you? And, you know, really, I, I just have to share it. You know, he's the friend who's, you know, he's sitting there, he's listening to you. It's like, well, if you, if you're open to some wisdom, I'm just going to put it on you here. Okay. That's really what he's saying. If you're open to it. And he says, behold, thou hast instructed many. Oh, and I was trying to get off the of KJV when it first froze up earlier, because it just sounds weird to me and to speak all the these and thous. Um, but he says, Behold, you have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hand. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm the fe feeble knees. Oops. I lost her. I know. It's kind of a pain. Um, so he says, Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? Um, because he says, he says, your way, your words have upheld him who was stumbling and you have made firm the feeble knees. Here, I'll get her on here. I think so. I think it will be. Okay. Now you're on my computer. So it's probably going to keep you connected better. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so he says, um, your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm the feeble knees, but now it has come to you, and you are impatient. It touches you, and you are dismayed. Is not your fear of God your confidence? Um, okay. And the integrity of your way is your hope. Remember who, that, remember who that was innocent ever perished? Or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger they are consumed. The roar of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, the teeth of the young lions are broken. The strong lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. Now a word was brought to me stealthily. My ear received the whisper of it, amid thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Okay, so he's saying... You've always said, you know, you're, 
your hope has been in, you know, your, your trust has been in God who, who has, you know, takes care of the upright and your hope has always been in your upright ways. And so I'm watching all this happen to you. And, and I don't know, have you ever seen an innocent person suffer so much? And then, and then he says, basically, I had a vision. I'm going to share it with you now. No, this is his friend, Eliphaz the Timonite. So he's acknowledging, I know what you believe, Job. And according to what you believe, things like this should not be happening to the, to the righteous. <laughs> she was just saying, hey, I need a rabbi crystal. <laughs> so he says, I had a vision amid thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Dread came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice. And this is what the voice said to him. Can mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even, no, no, I'm, I'm catching up because this kind of leads into where we're starting. Uh, even in his servants, he puts no trust, and his angels he charges with error. Okay, so this is, he's talking about God. And, and this is very much, if you think back to Eve in the garden, did God really say this? Didn't God keep that from you because he didn't want to share power, and he knew what would happen? So this vision, that, this spirit that glided past Eliphaz's face tells him, <coughs> Mortal man, basically, can a mortal man be actually, can, can they be right before God? Is that possible? Can, can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants, he puts no trust. Well, I'm sorry, you know, hey, Hasita, when did God say that it was about his trust in man? Because what, <coughs> what this spirit is doing is appealing to Eliphaz's pride. God doesn't trust you. Okay. He's speaking to a huh? snake in the garden. You can never be righteous enough for God. Do you really think you can be righteous before the Lord? He doesn't trust you. He says, how much more those who dwell, he says, as angels he charges with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like the moth. Between morning and evening, they are beaten to pieces. They perish forever without anyone regarding it. Is not their tent cord plucked up within them? And do they not die, and that without wisdom? So I say, people die all the time. People suffer. You know, this is the, if God's real, why do people suffer? If God's real, why isn't he stopping this? If he's good like you think. Why is he allowing this to happen? And the idea of charging his angels with error probably references that he, he gives them the judgments for the areas. So, you know, it kind of gives me the idea that maybe Hasetan is that spirit that glided past Eliphaz's face in that time that he knew Eliphaz was going to go be visiting Job and, and gave him this word of encouragement so that Eliphaz would go and and to try and encourage his friend, he'd be delivering this message of abandon God. 
because Satan's so sure that, that he can do this. He can provoke this. That's kind of creepy because then that means people can have these so-called like revelations, revelations. And, and visions and it's not of God at Which is all. why and Paul says repeatedly test the spirits and see that they're the from God. The that mean, it's, that's yeah. interesting because um, yeah. I was just um, reading about this guy who was um, atheist mm-hmm. and he he like stumbled upon a book that where this guy was talking about how he can meet with angels mm-hmm. and yeah. all the time and how and so the book really intrigued the atheist the guy because he's because he said the stories in there were like absolutely amazing of what the angels were telling him and he just was like whoa I gotta tap into this so the book he was reading taught like taught you how to t- like talk to right 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 that was real big in the nineties yeah so he yeah this was back then yeah. So he followed it, and so he said that it was real scary at first, but it happened, and he talked to mm-hmm. a so-called angel, and yeah. all kinds of stuff, and so he's sitting here, so he gets used to it, and he starts doing it more and more, then he no. meets this Get down. Christian lady out of the job, and she's like, are you sure that's an angel? And he's well, like, what? The- it's telling me this, and it's telling me that, and she goes, well, ask it who it is in the name of Jesus. Right. And so he went and did that, and his whole world changed. It was oh, like a sure. demonic attack. Everything was black and bad. And well, if you think about it, angel oh. means messenger. Yeah. Angel of the Lord is a messenger from God. Angels were just me- spiritual messengers who, who took messages to people. Well, I mean, Doesn't mean the messages were always from God. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, you were talking to an angel, right? Disguised himself as an angel of light, because he's saying things like here, this, this, this spirit that Eliphaz is like, oh, and he's and he's so inspired by it that he's got to go to Job in his suffering and encourage him. Listen, I know you really believe devoutly, but a spirit came to me and shared this with me, and this is the only way I can make sense of what you're going through. So he's trying to be encouraging. He's trying to tell him something, you know, that, that will help him. So Job 5, this is him continuing. That's why I went back and, and wanted to read the beginning of what he said. He says, call now. Is there any who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? For resentment kills the foolish man and jealousy kills the simple. I have seen the foolish take root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. Uh, His children are far from safety. They are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them whose harvest the hungry eats up and take it even out of the thorns. The The snare gapes for their substance, for affliction doesn't come out of the dust. Neither does trouble spring out of the ground. But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. But as for me, I would seek God. I would commit my cause to God, who does great things that can't be fathomed, marvelous things without number, who gives rain on the earth and sends waters to the fields. Okay, this is, I I accepted it. Um... 
so that he sets up on high those who are low, those who mourn are exalted to safety. He frustrates the plans of the crafty so that their hands can't perform their enterprise. He takes the wise in their own craftiness. The, the counsel of the cunning is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime. Uh, and grope at noonday as in the night. But he saves from the sword of their mouth even the needy from the hand of the mighty, so the poor has hope, and injustice shuts her mouth. So he's saying, commit your cause, so commit your cause to God. Seek him. Commit your cause to him. He says, behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. So he's saying, if what you believe is true, then you sinned because you're clearly being punished by God. So commit your cause to him, admit your sin, and, and if, if what you believe is true, then he'll have mercy on you. It says, for he wounds and binds up, he injures and his hands make whole. He will deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, he will redeem you from death, in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shall you be afraid of destruction when it comes. At destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Neither you shall, be, shall you be afraid of the animals of the earth, for you shall be allied with the stones of the field. The animals of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your fold and shall miss nothing. You shall know also that your offspring shall be great. Your offspring is the grass of the earth. You shall come to your grave in a full age, like a shock of grain comes in its season. Look, this, we have searched it. So it is. Hear it and know it for your good. Okay, so, so I'm encouraging you, Job. Just admit your sin. Either the vision I had is true and it's all just random and there's nothing for you to do about it or what you think is true. Either way, regardless of, of whose understanding is correct, throw yourself on the mercy of God. Whatever you did wrong, acknowledge it. Then Job answered, Oh, that my anguish were weighed and all my calamity laid in the balances. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the seas. Therefore have my words been rash. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks up their poison. The terrors of God set themselves in array against me. Does the wild donkey bray when he has grass? Or does the ox low over his fodder? Can that which has no flavor be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are as loathsome food to me. So basically he's saying, well, now I feel worse. Thank you oh so much. Yes, my words were rash. Do you see what I'm going through? You know, this is his response. His response is, is, okay, I spoke rashly. That was not fair to God to curse the day of my birth or suggest I shouldn't have done. You're right. I'm convicted of what I shouldn't have done. And yet, really? What am I supposed to do? I'm sitting on a trash heap, scraping open wounds, 
My entire family is dead. My wife has abandoned me. I've lost everything. This pot shirt, I'm scra all I own. <laughs> Got it from a broken piece of clay. But yes, you're right. I should be dancing and praising. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I mean, this is, he's really is like, does an ox low? Come on, really? My, my words are all supposed to be happy, happy, joy, joy? Because this is the encouragement that his friend has given him. And he says, oh, that I might have my request, that God would grant the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to crush me. He's like, my true wish is that I were dead right now instead of enduring this. This is what I want. You know, I'm not just, I'm not just random words. I'm not just saying stuff that, that is, um, you know, because I'm, I'm not, I'm really not just speaking uh, without thought. He says, be it still my consolation. Yes, let me exult in pain that doesn't spare, that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. So he's like, I wish I was dead, but I haven't abandoned God. Um, can you mute it on your side? Is that because I, oh, it might just be our connection. There, Sarah, do you have a, Sarah? I think she's frozen. I can't hear you. I know, I think, I, I think it's, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, because it was, do, it was like frozen image and it was doing this, shh. <laughs> So, okay. Uh, yeah, there's no problem I think it's the connection. I think it is. So he says, um, you know, so he says, yeah, I really do wish I was dead. I wish I could rejoice in pain that doesn't end. I wish I was capable of that. Wouldn't it be awesome if I was that strong? Was, but I haven't denied God. What is my strength that I should wait? What is my end that I should be patient? You know, what, where's, what, am, I, what am I hoping for here? What's gonna, how is this going to get better? Where, am I, where are we going with this? Is my strength the strength of stones or is my flesh of bronze? Isn't it that I have no help in me, that wisdom is driven quite from me? It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't understand this. To him who is ready to faint... Kindness should be shown from his friend. You know, so he's right back at Eliphaz. Really? This is what you feel compelled to tell me? Yeah. His, you know, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, if I knew if I knew that I had sinned, don't you think I'd be the first to confess it? If I had it within me to dance and be happy with my pain, don't you think I'd be doing it? You know, you, you say you're my friend. He says, even to him who forsakes the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have dealt deceitfully as a brook, as the channel of brooks that pass away, which are black by reason of the ice in which the snow hides itself. Okay, so, so what, basically, they sat in silence for seven days. And they sat there and Job thought, they really are my friends. They see what I'm going through. They understand. And he let out a lament. And, and his friend stepped up to, 
to convict him. You know, you're saying the wrong thing. You're doing the wrong thing. It's obviously your fault. And, and I know we've all felt that, you know, when we're going through the lowest moment of our life and someone we thought really understood what we were going through and saw what we were dealing with comes in with that. You know, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what you say to me at this time? Yeah, Really? That, that's the best you could, that was the encouragement you felt compelled to tell me? Yeah. And, you know, I have greatly appreciated the friends who have said, I watch what you are going through, and I don't even know how to pray or what encouragement to speak to you. But I watch you go through it and hold on to your faith with God, and that encourages me. That has been the most loving thing that has ever been said to me in the midst of my crises. And they said, I don't understand it. I don't know what to do to help. I don't know what to pray. But I'm encouraged. If you can go through this and keep your faith in God, then I can go through things and do it too. So, so he's saying, you know, you've been deceitful with me. You're like, you know, I thought you were a brook that was still beside me, but you're, you're covered with ice. In the dry season, they vanish. It's like, oh, you're my friend in the happy time, but goodness knows you're not encouraging me now. When it is hot, they are consumed out of their place. The caravans that travel beside them turn away. They go up into the waste and perish. The caravans of Timo looked. The companies of Sheba waited for them. They were distressed because they were confident, for they came here and were confounded. So you thought you knew everything, and you get here, and you see something that doesn't make sense, and then you think you can make sense of it. For now you are nothing. You see a terror and are afraid. Did I say give to me or offer a present for me from your substance? Or deliver me from the adversary's hand? Or redeem me from the hand of the oppressors? Did I ask you for help? I'm not asking you to give me your stuff or fix this for me. It says, teach me and I will hold my peace. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. He's like, okay, you have all this wisdom. What did I do? If you know so much, show me my sin. How forcible are words of uprightness, but your reproof, what does it reprove? Do you intend to reprove words since the speeches of one who is desperate are as wind? He's like, really, my lament has convinced you that I'm in sin? I moaned before the Lord and people I thought I could trust, but clearly, clearly that, that revealed to you my sin. Yes, you would even cast lots for the fatherless and make merchandise of your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me, for surely I shall not lie to your face. Please return. Let there be no injustice. Yes, return again. My cause is righteous. Is there injustice on my tongue? Can't my taste discern mischievous things? I mean, this is a guy who in the first chapter we learned... Every time his children would get together to celebrate one of their birthdays, he would go the next day 
and offer sacrifices on their behalf in case they did something. He was a big, let's just make sure it's all good. Let's, let's do this in case. You know, let's, let's make sure there's nothing unaddressed before the Lord. So in chapter 7, he says, Isn't a man forced to labor on earth? Aren't his days like the days of a hired hand? As a servant who earnestly desires the shadow, as a hireling who looks for his wages, so am I made to possess months of misery. Wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? I toss and turn until the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. Wow. You know, he probably had maggots because he had these open wounds for so long. It says, my, my skin closes up and breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye shall no more see good. Why didn't I die from the womb? Wait, is that the next? That's not right. I think that's... Yeah. Whereas, oh, you know what? I didn't... That just didn't delete from in there. Oops. Okay. The eye of him who sees me shall see, see me no more. Your eyes shall be on me, but I shall not be. As the cloud is consumed and vanishes away. Go to the next one. The next one. So he who goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a sea monster that you put a guard over me? When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me through visions. So he's like, even if I wanted to go to sleep, now you've told me this horrible vision you had. What the heck? He's like, you took away my only peace. I found some peace when I tried to rest, when I could rest. Most nights I just lay and toss and turn. But when I went to sleep, I had a little peace. Now I don't even feel safe doing that. It says, so that my soul chooses strangling death rather, th- uh, rather than my bones. My, my soul would just rather be strangled out of my body than dwell in, these, in this body. I loathe my life. I don't want to live forever. Leave me alone, for my days are but a breath. What is man that you should magnify him, that you should set your mind on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long will you not look away from me, nor leave me alone until I swallow down my spittle? So, so he says, if I have sinned, what do I do to you, you watcher of men? Why have you set me as a mark for you so that I am a burden to myself? So he's crying, you know, he's crying out to God here. He's like, what, what, what do I matter? Why are you even looking at me? Why didn't you just let me, I mean, I'm only here for a breath anyway. Why didn't you just leave me be? He says, if I have sinned, what do I do to you, you watcher of men? Why have you set me as a mark for you so that I am a burden to myself? Why do you not pardon my disobedience and take away my iniquity? For now shall I lie down in the dust. You will seek me diligently, but I shall not be. 
Then Bildad the Shuhite answered, How long will you speak these things? Shall the words of your mouth be a mighty wind? Does God pervert justice? Or does the Almighty pervert righteousness? If your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them into the hand of their disobedience. If you want to seek God diligently, make your supplication to the Almighty. So he's he's saying, obviously your children sinned, and that's why God killed them. You think your sacrifices matter? You know, if you want to seek God diligently, make your supplication to the Almighty. If you were pure and upright, surely now he would awaken for you. And make the habitation of your righteousness prosperous. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would greatly increase. So he's saying, come on. Just admit what you did. We all know you had to have sinned. Why do you keep saying you're innocent? If you were innocent, this wouldn't be happening. Please inquire of past generations. Find out about the learning of their fathers. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. Shall they not teach you, tell you, and utter words of their heart? So he's saying like past, yes, past generations, like generations of iniquities, well, like And yes, but think about what they did, you know, and, and consult them. But see, if you think about the fathers of Job as a Canaanite, we're not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They, you know, so he's saying, you know, look at your family history. Find the wisdom there. Go back to the ways of your youth. He's saying, can the papyrus grow up without mire? Can the rushes grow without water? While it is yet in its greenness not cut down, it withers before any other reed. So are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless man shall perish, whose confidence shall break apart, whose trust is a spider's web. He shall lean on his house, but it shall not stand. He shall cling to it, but it shall not endure. He is green before the sun. His shoots go out along his garden. His roots are wrapped around the rock pile. He sees the place of stones. If he is, destroy- if he is destroyed from his place, then it shall deny him, saying, I have not seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way. Out of the earth others shall spring. Behold, God will not cast away a blameless man, neither will he uphold the evildoers. He will still fill your mouth with laughter, your lips with shouting. Those who hate you shall be clothed with shame. The tent of the wicked shall be no more. In other words, if you could just be blameless before God, you wouldn't have to go through this. Consider it pure joy that you're suffering. Let it convict you. Let it ask God to show you what you did. Acknowledge it. I mean, we've all had that encouragement. You know, God's obviously trying to get your attention. The more you resist, the worse it's going to get. Which is why it's so important that we know at the beginning of the story that Job was upright, that Job was being bragged on by God. (coughs) We know going into this, none of this is Job's fault. 
because we're supposed to understand these encouraging words for what they are. And, and this is one of the reasons why the book of Job is such an encouragement when people are going through struggles. Because it lets you put into context all of the encouragement that you're getting from other people. And what has been really interesting is the number of times I have seen people quote scripture to encourage people and literally quote the friends of Job. Yeah. Like the considerate pure joy one. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I'm supposed to be super joyful in this right, right now. Well, and you know, Peter he, Peter does say, you know, considerate joy, but he puts it in context. He's like, keep the big picture perspective. It grows these things on you, which is very different from saying, if you could just praise God right now. Well, you know, uh, you're so negative. Don't, don't speak that truth over yourself. Yeah, because Job's like, I hate my life. Yeah, he's like, die. you know, he's don't, like, don't acknowledge those. What what wounds? I don't see any wounds. Let's not acknowledge, you know, the whole word of faith. Don't Don't acknowledge it. Don't give it a whole... He's like, what, acknowledge these oozing wounds I'm having to tend to? I, I should pretend they're not there? Yeah. Oh, here, let me pretend there's not maggots in this one, you know? And it, it's really what he said. Right, because it, it keeps... Well, it, it eats the, the dead flesh. And it doesn't eat live flesh. So when it's done eating the dead flesh, then it goes away. Yeah. But it keeps the person from getting person like gangrene. From, yeah. And they, they still use them medically. If you have a lot of uh, dead skin, yeah. they'll give you oh. maggots. Mm. And that's what have, flies um, are good for. Yeah. Right. Right. So when the flies are landing on the, what's it called again? Dead stuff. On the dead. The carcass. Or, oh, on the, on on the, the wound. Wall, yeah. On the fly lands. And they're like, oh, great. They put their eggs in. They put their eggs. You grow maggots, but then the maggots then they live on it. flesh. When they get down to the live flesh, like, ew. It's yeah. Living. Yeah. You don't want that. So, so this is, yeah, this is, ah, oh, so related to Job for so many years. And I took such comfort in the fact that he shook his fist at God and God still called him righteous. And yet, you know, having moved through that season, um, but isn't there a difference shaking your fist and denying? And, and, yeah, because I mean, it's one thing to go really right, and it's another thing to go. You don't even just right. I rebuke. Well, I'm because done, because know. if you didn't, you know, if you get to that point where you don't shake your fist at God because you just can't believe He's there, mm-hmm. or you think, well, you must have abandoned me, so there's no point. Well, then, then you're having a very different conversation. I look at it in terms of my children. It's one thing for them to be mad and, Mom, and we're fussing. Then to walk out my door and say, I don't never want to see you again. And I don't see them for years. That right. would hurt. Right. But for us to go back and forth and they're mad at me, but they're right. still acknowledging me, I, I feel like it's, that's kind of how it is as far as God is concerned. Well, and if you think about it <coughs> with your children, you know, it, you know, it, God was taking no joy 
and what Job was going through. Right. It's, you know, and this is, this is, the book of Job is where the, the um, Hasidic teaching comes from that, um, that one purpose that the righteous fulfill in their generation is to take on the suffering that is appointed to their, you know, their community because they could endure it and not curse God, whereas others in their community would curse God if they endured it. And, and so, you know, that, that idea was one that gave me a lot of encouragement for several years. It was, you know what, if I'm going through this so that someone else doesn't curse God, then there's, there, it's redeemed in a way. Yeah. You know, and, and what I found with a lot of the suffering I've gone through is that God has allowed it to be redeemed. You know, when everything I went through, with when the twins were in the NICU and, and everything that was so traumatic about their birth and then being there allowed me to go with my friend to her daughter's birth as a preemie and be there to keep her out of the NICU or if she ended up going, go with her so I could fight for her because I knew, I, I'd been there, I knew I knew what was meant when things were said. I, I understood, I would be able to understand what was being talked about and what was being discussed and, and actually hold my own in the conversation and, and defend this little baby yeah. knowing what the mother wanted. And and I, I felt like when I left that, that it did redeem a lot of the pain that I had gone through at that time. And and that's that's what Paul's talking about when he says God works all things together for good. To those who love God and are called according to His purpose, and it, it's it's in it's in consistent alignment with the Psalm that says, "In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight." And it's this ongoing picture of whatever's happening. You know, give glory slash credit to God that it's happening for a reason that you may not understand. It doesn't mean it's happening. You know, if you go through life looking at God as a God of punishment, then you'll think everything that happens is a punishment. But you'll miss the character of God. (laughs) And if you start to understand that the things we go through are for our good in the sense that they are growing us and changing us and challenging us and strengthening us. (laughs) One thing I can see looking back is that everything we went through, I can see how it prepared us and taught us things for what was coming next. See, because it would be an unloving God who would let you face things unprepared. But as a loving God who walks you through those experiences. And now, you know, it's really interesting because, because there's, you know, with the different types of learning, the learning styles, I'm sure you've gone over in your classes and stuff. There's, you know, the, the auditory and the visual and, and the and the kinesthetic. Okay. And all children are kinesthetic <coughs> learners. And then usually kinesthetic. kinesthetic is learned by the, the kinesthesia, the hands muscle movement. Yeah, hands-on, active. I gotta work it out. Yeah. I don't see it. And all children, you know, it's why they you know, when you say that's hot, they still touch it. It's not that they don't believe you, but they learn by experiencing. And so yeah, when they... that's why when I told Bria it's hot, I literally waved her hand right here. Like right. Not, 
on it, but like this is the stove, and so right. her hand was here, and she felt how much heat rose from it, and then she went, "Oh, yeah. hot!" Like I, then it exactly so now when I'm cooking, she's like, "Yep, yeah, I'm good." But <laughs> I would, I, I when my children were at that that point, I would let them touch my coffee mug or my tea mug because mm-hmm. that was a safe hot. But I would go, oh, "Hot!" When they did it, and they go. They pull back and hot, hot, you know, not not for whoever. And so when they come to the stove, I go, "This is very hot." And they go, "Okay, <laughs> I got it. I have a concept of hot. Very hot has got yeah. to be worse." Right. <laughs> yeah, or the boiling water, like yeah. the steam was coming up. Yeah, and so I, I just put right it there over, right it. like here, you know. I was like, "She's like, oh," I said, "Oh yes, he's so hot." Yes, and then like just from doing little things like that, she's like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're cooking. I want to be next to you. I don't want to touch, touch it. It's not helping you yet. <laughs> Good. And so, so it's, but but here's, here's the irony. Okay, most people in their general learning become either dominantly auditory, you know, where they have they have to hear things, or visual, where they have to see it for themselves, um, and that affects how they go on to learn in their studies and things. Most people stay a little, I mean, you stay a little bit kinesthetic because you learn from doing, but most people don't have to, like, they can read about how to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, and be okay with it. Some people stay predominantly <coughs> kinesthetic. They can still learn from the other ways, but, you know, when you, if you talk about people who always have to learn the hard way, it really just means that they have continued to be kinesthetic learners in life. That's, re- that's And that's really all it means. Having to learn the hard way. Yeah, isn't a it's not a it's not an insult it's not a bad thing the way but people think it is they're like oh if she could you know if she could just trust everybody but then that's when you go back to you have to see because i know for being one i'm just Mm -hmm. like oh okay okay and it's not like i don't believe it it's just i don't understand it well like but didn't i say to that i'm like but in your mind it's almost like it's almost like you have that mentality of but it didn't happen to me or something. Well, like, or there's like, also... It's just like you feel like you have to kind of maybe experience... You have to wrap it. your head around it. Because yes, if you keep in mind the Western idea, you. the Western idea, if people know better, they do better. Yeah. Then, if they read something or you tell them something, you should expect them to not do it. To under, But the Hebraic understanding of understanding, you know, that you have to hear understand and then you can obey because if you just do what you're told when you hear I mean that's good that's a good thing but when you really understand it see to me to me we were talking before about um you know the 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 embracing you know modest yahoo and how he was saying that he had when he embraced orthodox judaism it was hi it was, it provided structure and it was beautiful and it enhanced his worship. He heard and he obeyed. But then at a certain point, he realized he was doing things yeah. and it was, there was no joy in it anymore. And, and to me, that's the point where you shift into understanding. And, when you, and, and it's good to hear and obey. But you have not shema until you hear, understand, and obey. Well, I feel like that's like praying over your food. I told mom, like, oh, I was told you should pray over your food. So mm-hmm. I just obeyed it and was like, okay. Right. So, yeah, okay, fine. 
you know, thanks for scrub, thanks Jesus, like, you know, stuff like that. And then I was going through a really tough time, and I sat down at the table, and I went to go, you know, I was like, instead of the whole dear Jesus, thank yeah. you, I was like, thank you for this, oh Lord, like, because I didn't know, know where it was coming from, and I'm like, I'm like, by myself in tears, and I'm like, and all of a sudden, I had this understanding of, well, this is why I should say thank you because because like, I should be grateful. Because yes, but I, but it wasn't. It was almost like a like. And I if said, someone I tells you be grateful, say thank you, then you're like, okay, thank, thank you. you. I'm grateful. But yeah. then when you go through an experience that causes you to become grateful, oh, she's calling me. Then your gratitude is. Your gratitude is different. It is deeper. And so so understanding that when you go through those things, it's not God punishing you. It is it is either I mean if you if you are doing something that you know is an actual violation of what God is telling you to do, you should expect negative things to come along simply because He's explained that that's the natural consequence when you go down that road. Those things lead to destruction. So if you walk those things, you are choosing to walk to destruction. And ideally, experiencing some of those things should cause you to go, maybe I should get back on the right path with God. But when you are on the right path with God, that doesn't mean that in addition to all those wonderful things that you are walking in and towards, there won't be hard times and you won't ever suffer because the suffering and the things that we go through, you know, are are discipline, not punishment. They are preparing us. They are teaching us things. They are helping us understand. They are us going, Oh, you know, before God just gives you this giant bounty of provision for which you are not really grateful, but you say, thank you. It's God letting you understand gratitude so that when it comes, you not only appreciate it, but you will listen to him about what to do with it. You know, you will understand that it's his. He's entrusting it to you. He's not blessing you because you're so awesome and he just wanted to give you something really cool. He's entrusting it to you because he knows that you're ready. And sometimes that process involves you getting a lot and losing a lot. And then getting a lot again. And the lot, the second a lot is usually more. So. And you're usually more grateful. Right. Right. You're just like, oh. Whereas when you first had it, you're like, thanks. That's right. God's the only one who can really teach you those things. Right. Right. Because a lot of judgment falls on parents. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that you really can't. uh, well, and they can don't necessarily really teach know. No, you can't. And any attempts to any attempts to kind of become manipulative and creepy. Yeah. I mean, you can guide them through things that are out of their control that you maybe allow happen to happen so that they can learn. One one of the things one of the things that I really have come to understand and truly like like, it, it was one of those, I believed it before, now I understand it kind of things, was the importance of letting children make mistakes 
and learn how to learn from them. It has to be okay for people to make mistakes. People need to learn how to make amends. They need to learn how to go and seek reconciliation. They need to learn how to fix and clean up the messes that they make. And the only way you learn that is by making messes. Well, that's like um, how I told you when Mark was living when I kept telling mm-hmm. him stop, 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 and he wouldn't. So then the next time he flipped his butt right off the right. couch, and I was like, right, you know, and, or even recently he was in the house and he was running and boom. Right. And Is he more careful to I walk said, now? Well, oh, he's creepy. Put it in the box. Yes. <laughs> and I said, she had spilled all our toys, and instead of having somebody else pick it up for her, she had to pick it up herself, yes. and it was like a torture. And she was torturing and screaming, and Aww. she did. I mean, just going crazy, and all she do was pick it up and put it in the box. Yeah. But because this time I said, "Oh no, I mm. will not." She was like. Ugh. You mean I gotta suffer the consequences myself? Those are also the moments where I go in and And I put joy in it, and I go, "I will hand you the things, but you put it." No, she didn't want that either. Any other? I say, "Here, baby." I say, "Here's the toy." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then I said, "Okay." So then I took her hand. Let's pick it up together. She closed her fist. I was like, like, oh, you right. are just a mess. <laughs> and Lisa was like, was this fine. is what you go through? I said, welcome to my Well, girl. yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. why the first time people people are like, you know, oh, my child said they hate me. I'm like, welcome to motherhood. You know? It's <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, well, now you have to learn how to clean mess yourself. Then I try. And I told her, I said, I tried offering you assistance. Right. You don't want my assistance. You don't want my help. So you do it by yourself. Or even with Mark, I said, did you learn anything from when you fell? And you say, yeah, I learned it. I really shouldn't run. Yeah. So now, and in my mind, I'm kind of like, I'm because, telling you that. Because that's, that's why you, I mean, that's what you want them to understand. If they're only ever doing things because they've been told to, they're really not learning. They're really not understanding. And there'll come a point where they'll question you know, there comes a point for me. There was there was a point where I went. I've been doing all the things I was told to do, but I wasn't. I'm not getting the results that I was told to expect. I don't understand why I'm doing these things if those results aren't coming. So, why would I do these things? if not for those results. And, you know, that was the point where God's, why, why, why? You're always asking, why my answers aren't good enough? So, you know, and yet, we talk, I, we were talking yesterday about the, or two days ago, about the wisdom of youth being, just kind of being tired. Yeah. Or the wisdom, I'm sorry, the wisdom, wisdom of age, just being exhausted. It's like, uh, I don't have the energy. You know? <laughs> and yet, what happens as you get older is very often you've kinesthetically gone through so many experiences that have helped you understand the why that when you read God's word, you go, oh, I get it. It's perfect sense. Yeah. So you, you don't, right, right. You know what? I'm just going to trust that. I'm just going to not wonder about what, you know, maybe this will be okay if I just do it and don't fully understand it because I, because what you come to understand, what you come to understand is God's character. Yes. 
Yeah. The wisdom of wisdom. That's what yeah. Wisdom wisdom. <laughs> not having the energy. Just no energy. Like, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, that'll be fun. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's because, because what's the thing that Satan's saying all the way from the garden? God really say that. And you go through all of those things in your own head. Like yes. Like, manipulating you. And did God really say, did God really say, are those bumps in the road? And then finally, he, he's like, did God really say? And you're like, yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> question the character of God. Once we stop, and, and it's because we can't fully, you can't explain the character of God to someone in words though. No. It's like telling someone what it really means to be married. You can't no. understand that's it why, you are. That's why it, it's like, that's, I tell people that all the time, I said, you don't know what it's like to be a parent until you are one. And you're not going to know what it's like to be married until you are Right, one. until you're a parent, you're, you know everything about being a parent. No. Then you have a kid and you're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should be good, Mom, huh? I'm a babysat. I'm the nanny. Yeah. I'm the this. I'm the this. Then it's your own kid. Your like, hormones are freaking out. Like, well, I mean, from, from the standpoint okay. of, like, taking care of, it's, I guess you could kind of say it's the same. I mean, diapers are diapers. As, yeah. <laughs> you got to change the diapers. You got to feed the Your baby. child probably won't die on your watch, but, you know. You know. <laughs> She's like, but, uh, But then, like, when people come that. up to me and they have all these questions and they're all upset because they're still saying, did God really say? Right. Then I'm just like, well, yeah, And that is. <laughs> I can't really convince you. Right. <laughs> Don't yeah, I, I've noticed that about myself, too. Like, yeah, I'm not even going to... No more questions. Well, and that's... and that, But that's that's part... And that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be things you still learn from going through the hard times. Oh, yeah. But once you understand... Once you understand the message of Job... Once you, once you get it, then you... Then as you're going through things... It's just different. It's just different. It's a different... The, what you wrestle with is understanding instead of God. You know, you, you might go, okay, I'll do this, but I'm not sure I'm doing it right. I don't really understand it. I need, to, you know, help me understand this, Lord. But once you, once you, when stuff starts happening, then you understand that God's teaching you, and then you're not suffering through it as much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then you can do what Peter says and consider it pure joy. But telling someone when they're sitting on the trash heap, scraping their wounds, and crying out to God for death, I told you, so. you should consider this joy. You know, how, how little is your faith that you're going to be upset right now? Where's your joy? Um, that maggot ate it. You know, it's, right. it's uh, what do you mean, where's my joy? And you know what, like, looking at Job in this way, like, that is extremely common yes. for people to react that way towards you when you're not having a good time in life. Right. When you're going through your stuff. And it's like, usually people who are have learned from reading or hearing the word of God, and they're trying really hard to obey the word of God. But if they had an ounce of understanding, they would never say that to you. Which is really what Job's saying. 
this is your encouragement? You sat with me for seven days and saw my life firsthand, and this is what you came up with? Okay. And there are times where, in, and seasons that you go through where you have to realize and acknowledge that someone isn't a safe person in that season. In that season. And then you have to ask God for safe people who will encourage you through that season. You know, it's kind of like in, with with mothering. You know, I was kind of explaining that to somebody, and they then they called me judgmental. Yeah, and I was like, I'm judgmental for knowing where somebody's at, right? And not and not entrusting them or giving them that that cut out from my life, right? So I'm judging. I'm judgmental and mean to them because I know what they can't handle. Because there's now. a there's a difference between discernment and judgment. Discernment is wisdom, your own wisdom. Judgment is is commentary on the other because you all when you're saying you know what they're not really in a place where I feel safe sharing this with them. That's discernment. When you start saying you should be in a place where I can share this with you, that's judgment. <laughs> and that's what I do. I'm like, yeah, they're not. They're not in a place. They're where not I there. Can it's share okay. With them, they're not in a place where I can do this with them. They're not in a place, you know. And then people are like, "Oh, that's you're so judgy, and you should." And it's not like I go around and sharing that with people. It's just now, I'm not sharing this with you because you're just not in a place. Where... <laughs> yeah, I don't do that. But like, if I, if it's like me and my mom and we're talking about a third party, then it's just like, no, I, I'm not going to do that because because you're honoring where they are. I'm, yeah. You're yeah. not expecting more from them than they're capable of giving. Yes. That is love. Is that is love. You're saying, I accept you where you are. Because that's what Job's friends weren't doing. If Job's, if Job's friends had sat there and gone, I don't even know what to say. I'm just going to keep sitting here with you. You're in there. Or if they had said, you are going through something I cannot understand. Do you want to? What can I do for you? Sit down in my chair and I'll bring them to you. How can I show you love? Would you like me to scrape the wounds on your back that you can't reach? You know, and and we all have different giftings. You know, people with acts of service, when they really love you, they'll sit and scrape the wounds on your back for you. You know, people people who are, you know, people who serve, they'll bring a meal to you while you're sitting out there on the trash heap. You know, there, there, there are things we can do to love people through that. But when we think that we know what to say because we've got a handle on why they're going through that. Yeah. You know, I, I found that. that when, oh, I've met that oh too many times. Yes. That's why it's like, I, and I think me and Tony had this conversation before too, but I was like, when, when people show you who they are. Believe, believe it the first time. <laughs> and then act accordingly. Right. Use your wisdom Adjust. to be like, okay, I I I believe you and I know you're not able to, you know. Well, and it's it's even as so simple even as like with babies, you know, and, and with, with new mothers and, and when they're having trouble breastfeeding and to say, stop asking all the bottle feeders for help. Mm-hmm. Stop expecting them to empathize. With your breastfeeding problems, because their answer will be, give them a bottle. If that's not what you want to hear, they should not be the audience for that. 
Yeah, because you can't make somebody do what you know they can't do, what they're not capable right. of grasping. Right. And it's it's not loving them to not accept where they are. And so, you know, there, there are people where I've said... <laughs> that concept right there, though... <laughs> I know, I saw it. Because it's a little... It's for her side. That's okay. <laughs> that concept alone is just like oh, you're holding the lifted so many burdens yeah. for me because yeah. I had because I had questioned God and I just was like, you say your burdens easy and your yoke is light, but it sure don't feel like that to me. It's very heavy right now. You know, so yeah, he takes me through these pieces of understanding where I'm like, oh, it is light, it is easy because that like, what we just talked about that whole concept right there just like yeah, light as a feather. Oh, got it. Yeah, like I understand. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily make the hard things. You know, it's not like you're all, woohoo! No, struggles! No. You know? <laughs> yeah! No, they, they, you know, they still stay. They're so hard. But you're, but you're light because you understand that, that concept. You're just like, okay. I'm, I'm learning something here. I'm, it's like, you know, there are times where people will okay. share things or they, they, something happens Wait. to them. and it's like, can I just lick it? You know, and I've, and I've, there are times where what I've said to them is, and I think I mentioned this the other day too, Lisa, when we were talking, I said, I said, I went through a season like that. I would never wish it on my worst enemy, but since you're there, it might encourage you to know that I look back on that season and how much I learned and I'm grateful for it and I praise God for it. But yes, it's hard. And no, you don't have to pretend it isn't. And I'm here if you want to talk. (laughs) Say I'm wedding, Mom. Sarah, I know you can. I don't. You didn't see what happened, but big sister just put a whole grape in baby's mouth to share. So that was a little trauma here. Was very loving. She reached and went over and just pop, put a whole grape in her baby sister's <laughs> mouth. She's like, it's like giant too. Oh, no, no, no. She's like, no. What just happened? Oh, that was a whole new experience. But yeah, but like, so, say that again. No, well, just, just when people, like, people will, you know. It's almost like they post, you know, they'll post one day and something's happened and then something else happens and then something else happens and you know and I and I've said I've said to them I am here, I'm praying for you. You know, and and I know what one of the some of the things that encourage me are the things that I try to say to them. Things like, you know, obviously what I went through was different, but I went through a season like this. And I would never wish it on my worst enemy. But I look back on it and I'm so grateful. And, and you know, be encouraged that you will learn. And, and there are, there's reasons for this. And I don't know what they are. And I'm not going to pretend to know. And if you just want to come and vent and I'll, I'll hug you while you shake your fist at God and pray for you. And if God gives me something that's actually encouraging, I'll try and share it. But... You know, there's no platitudes. There's no, 
you know, because, because what happens, what happens is when people are going through hard times and when people are suffering, it makes other people uncomfortable. And, and when you're saying something to someone to relieve your own discomfort, that is not love. Love says, I will be uncomfortable if that's what it takes to be with you right now. But our discomfort says nothing about the other person and something about us. That's our own lesson in that. And, and you know, when, when God is doing something, well, thank you. There will always be people who feel uncomfortable with whatever's happening to us. You shouldn't get married so young. You shouldn't get married so late. You're too young to have kids. You're too old to have kids. You should go to school. You should drop out. You're accruing debt. There's always people always have opinions about what we're going through. And then there's the discomfort that certain things cause people. You know, there were a lot of people who were very uncomfortable with the fact that Yeshua was eating with the sinners. Why are you at a tax collector's house? I always kind of wanted him to turn around and go, you didn't invite me to lunch, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> or uh, Liam, Liam's favorite thing now when I go, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing this, you know? And you know, and, and that really is what Yeshua was saying. You know, why are you at a tax collector? Why aren't you at a tax collector's house for lunch? Why aren't you here sharing with them this faith that you have that you say is so real to you? Which is why he told the people, do what the Pharisees say. They teach you well. Don't do what they do when they disobey their own teaching. And so so it's it's really that place of internalizing and it's understanding. And yet the people who are doing those things, that's all you can expect from them. And if somebody's uncomfortable with what you're going through, they can't be the person to encourage you. You need somebody else in your life who can can be doing that. And and there's no point getting mad at them that they can't be the one encouraging you because that's where they are. That's like um we go up the something came on TV. Oh Lady Debbie. And I was like Boo. Yeah, can't watch this. Not there. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, you know, like here I am all crappy. Everyone's like, why don't we watch a different show? Let's put on a documentary. No. She's getting a kick out of it. She's cracking up. And she's like, what But really honestly And I said Don't get me wrong. God is good all the time. I was like it's still sad, though, and I still don't want to see them kissing. Well, this is the thing, though. Are you the person that someone in a brand new, wonderful relationship should be going to for for encouragement right now? No, no. Which is not judgment on you. That's not. That's just. That's just where you are. Just obvious, you know. You're not in that place now. When you get through this season. Will you be someone that a woman struggling in her marriage can go to? Who can say, you weathered this and you're, you know, and here's where you are and that's where I want to be. Can you encourage me and help me get through this? And you'll be all, yeah, I can. Well, because my prayers changed. 
Right. And my talks change from. <laughs> wow. Right. Because prayer yeah, changes I told, us. I said, I just started. <clears throat> I was in the car and I said, well, if you put this back together, dang it. And if mm-hmm. you don't, dang it. I said, I am done. Mm-hmm. I should have been done. I don't right. know why I grabbed the wheel in the first place. Right. There you go. Right. <laughs> right. And every day my prayer was, nope, don't want to back. It's cool. Right. Right. Yeah, that's good. I'm not for real, I don't. Yeah, I need or the ability be, to do anything about it. I, that too. And so I'm just it's like, I need you to. I need this to be your problem. So right. And I just kept living. I was. And that's what he wants to teach us. Or making anything necessarily worse. But at but the you same weren't pretending time, it wasn't I wasn't wrong. pretending. I was just like, well, you know, hey, it's cool. Whatever. And and that's. That's what we're supposed to learn from things. And that's what we're supposed to, you know, when God, God comes in in a whirlwind speech, it's not all nice. It's not all sugarcoating. And at the end of Job, when we get to the whirlwind speech, and he comes in and he puts all his friends in their place and says, your theology is off. You were not encouraging. How, you know, you made this situation worse for him. And, and at the same time, who do you think you are to challenge me? Who do any of you think oh, you are? Did it's you put Did you the put the sea monster in the, in the sea? Did right. you mount the stars in the sky? Was that you? Do you are you the one? No, do you and and there is an element of we will never understand all of it. We will never fully understand God because he's beyond us. But when we understand his character and his intent for us. When we get from Zechariah, where he says, enact judgment, show mercy. Not two separate things. Mercy is what God has judged us to need. The judge has said, what you need is mercy. Because if you just judge, you keep looking at the gap between where we are and where we need to be. Mercy is to fill that gap. No, punishment is to make us feel worse for having that gap. But it can't fix the gap. (laughs) And, And it brings shame and makes it harder for us to even try to live with the gap. Yeah. Mercy fills the gap. That's why it goes on to say, take care of the widow. Take care. Why? Why is taking care of the widow mercy? Her husband, who was providing for her, is gone. There's a gap. Fill it. The orphan who had a parent who's missing, fill the gap. The poor who have their need and their resources with this big gap, Fill it. God fills gaps. It's the whole idea. Standing in the gap. That's why the prophets use those words. Watchmen on the wall who, who keep out the invader. You, you stand in the gap in prayer. But you stand in the gap in action too. You know, it's, it's you know, like I was saying the other day, when, when people say, where is God in this situation? I go, where are his people? And that's why some of the most powerful things that happen for the kingdom are where there's a gap that's obvious and God's people jump in and fill it. And people looking on go, look, 
God's there in this situation. But it's not that God's not in the others. You know, his people are a little uncomfortable in that gap. They don't really want to be there. There's not as much glamour in that gap. You know, devote my, my life to taking care of lepers in a tiny leper colony? There's, will it be a reality show? You know, <laughs> how will I get glory doing that? How will I get fame doing that? And and yet God sometimes calls you to be the one in the leper colony. And, and what's sad, not to disparage Mother Teresa at all, but what's sad is that that is seen as so exceptional. When you're talking about God and how he tells us to live, why is that not commonplace? Why isn't, why isn't that just so expected that there's ten people there? You know, it's, it's, again, not to disparage her, but I, I don't want to think of her as exceptional because then that takes the burden off of me. Well, you know, I'm not that exceptional, so. Right. <laughs> Obviously, God's going to pick somebody super amazing. No, if God, because that means if God's telling all of us to do what we can. If you look at somebody super amazing, you wouldn't have picked Moses, I'm just saying. Right, exactly. And that is one of the big reasons why, I, why the flaws are included in Scripture. They're real people through whom God did exceptional things. It's God who's exceptional, not us. Mother Teresa wasn't exceptional. She was obedient. God gave her a heart for them. She responded to it. And there were people who supported her financially, and there were other people who had that heart and gave within their means and their abilities and their giftings. But again, why weren't there 10 people there? Because you know there were some people at home going, oh, I wish I could do more. Well, that was at home. Oh, well, do more. Um, yeah. that 90s thing that happened, you know, be a rebel. Because they were like, what do you mean you're a rebel? You're doing everything that everyone else is doing. You want to really be a rebel? Live the way God's asking you. Yeah. Right, right. And not being a rebel because nobody's doing it. <laughs> well, it, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. You mean I have to love stinky You don't people? have to be uncomfortable? Right. <laughs> because obviously God's greatest purpose for me is comfort. Right. That's why I was born in America, right? You know, <laughs> or was I born here to have access to resources that people around the world don't? Was I born here to have experiences that I could shape me so that I could go and and change things somewhere? You know, or was I born here because this is also a mission field? Because comfort is not really the defining mark of Christianity. Please. On this side. But they do, though. A lot of people try and define yeah. it by that. Yes. Yeah. You know, like the philosophy, the philosophy of the Job's friends. They're like, you should be sitting and pretty right now. Right. And so righteous in a lot of people yes. say that. A lot of yes. churches say that. Yes. Yep. And, you and be comfortable because God loves me so, and not to say don't give God glory for things or that God didn't give it to you, but if that's what you think means 
you're blessed. Like if if what God entrusted you with you think is a sign of your value and worth and how awesome you're doing. No, you missed the whole big picture. And and that's how that's how because yeah. then the question becomes, well did God not love everybody else that much? Yeah. You know, what are you doing wrong that you don't have? What am I doing wrong that I don't have it? When we measure God's presence and approval in our lives on that stuff. On a house, mm-hmm. on a car, on a husband or a wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then when you find yourself sitting on the trash heap scraping wounds, you've got a very flimsy faith you're relying on. Yeah. Because then, well, that must mean God doesn't love you as much anymore. Now it's gotten to the point now when some people say things to me, I'm like, you sound just like Eliphaz. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, well, you just quoted this passage from Job where Eliphaz is giving bad theology to Job. Right? <laughs> If you trust that he is good and loves you and cares for you and is going to work everything exactly the way you need it to work in your life for your good and his glory and for you to be ready in the next world, you know, the next kingdom, what are you going to be afraid of? That's why the psalmist could say, I have confidence. Well, I'll never forget when I was like, Lord, I know it's going to work out for me. I just don't understand your way. Right. Yeah. But that's where. I didn't know it was But that's where you. But that's where. That's where David could say, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. I'll put a lot on my For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the rod and the staff, meaning he's he's there, he's the leader. You're the sheep. He's the shepherd. I'm following His you. Word your word is a light to my feet. It reveals your path. It tells me where to walk. It tells me what choice to make when I'm looking at things and go, well, I want to do this. But your word says this. And you make the hard choice to follow the word. It, it it reveals, and it's not always, it's not like it rips away the blind, you know, and you're like, oh, I see everything so clearly. I should do everything. It's just enough for you to make that next step and trust that where he's leading you is where you need to be. He's not going to take you into some dark alley and mug you. You know, I mean, really, that's what, but if I follow God, it's scary. That's Why? That's so funny. <laughs> you know, not, no, I totally understand that. Right, but that's the saints go, well, are you sure you can trust him? You sure that's what he wanted you to do? And that's why we're like, it's so scary. Right. Yeah. But really, what's scary? But your creator is, is revealing to you what he wants you to do. Besides being embarrassed or something. We're uncomfortable. Yeah, which is uncomfortable. Being being nervous or being embarrassed or, you know, 
And when we fear men instead of God, ignorant people, yes. then we don't want other people to question what's happening, so we choose them. When we, when we seek comfort over obedience, then we make different choices. And even though God, we know God's telling us to do things, we go, well, you know, maybe this will be enough. And so, so it's all about, it is all about moving us to that place of trust and understanding. She did a poem on relationships and she was like, um, something about too busy. She's like, it's too busy sitting here or something. She said, um, going, can you just tell me how much I can get away with and still be safe? Right, right. Because you're trying to keep your comfort, you know? Yeah. What's the minimum I have to get? Well, the minimum I guess you have to do is love God and love your neighbor, and that's really got a lot to it. So, I don't know. Maybe get started. And then I know this one pastor was talking to my friend, and he was like, oh, he doesn't teach his congregation certain things because then he would start losing people. And it's like, if you base it off of that, then, right, you know, my goodness. I told Bill one time. Because people mine won't matter. People will matter won't mine. I, I, told, I told Bill, I said, you know, I have, I have the skill set. And, and the ability to grow a huge church, you know, fill a stadium, you know, with, tap into resources here and there, get some marketing going. And, and I could probably maintain that if I wanted to compromise, you know, truth. I don't know. If if that if that was what I saw as the if if that was what I believed was the evidence of godly teaching and and God's favor on a ministry, I would conduct things very differently. But I I don't. You know I've I've worked in the mega churches. I've worked in in the the you know in churches, and I've seen. The challenges that that brings. It's not that, you know, not that I don't want a church that's growing and thriving. I want lives of people who are involved in in living and studying with me to be changing. And I want to see individual, you know, every person who goes out and impacts everyone in their life. It's, It's not about numbers. It's not about, you know, the size or the place where you meet. It's about you know, bringing God into lives and situations and changing them. And you can feel really good going into a church and, you know, singing some praise and worship and, you know, taking some notes. But if it's not growing you and changing you, then what was that? What was that all for? Yeah. What was the reason? Yeah. Get that from off of there. Just my plate's empty. Get that. You'll go throw that away. And everybody feels good and happy when they leave and encouraged and, yeah. you know, and there are lots of people who need that to keep them going. So I don't, I don't disparage There's that. There's a place 
for kiddie pool ministry, right. you know, but it, it seems like that's the biggest money maker in America, so most people tend to gear towards that. Right. Way. I, I, I wish, I wish, my personal wish, is that the kitty, you know, the, the kitty pool churches could understand that that is their purpose and encourage people when and as they're ready to go to other places to go deeper so they can continue focusing on bringing people in and getting them started. Yeah. But when money becomes the focus, then you've got to keep people because if they leave, their tithe leaves. And that's, that becomes a very different, you know, that's a very different, it looks different. And, and that's, I understand it, you know, but I think that, I think that would be awesome if, if we had churches that could, that could see their purpose within the bigger picture and not try to be all things to all people, but do really well what they're good at. And then try to encourage people into different directions and to other places, depending on where their calling is and where that, where they're trying to go next. You know, but that's, that's my, if I were queen for a day, you know, <laughs> you should be queen. That's right. That's right. Crystal for queen. No, it's good. <laughs> Crystal for president. There you go. Oh, I don't know. That's a lot of precious. They all go gray so fast. But as, so in closing, I just want, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Bye, Sarah. Thank you for putting up with all the technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. bye.